Uh, I've been doing a series called Rhythm, Rhythms of Grace on Saturday nights, so we're on number three on that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to try to catch you up with a short review, review some things, <clears throat> and just go into number three. But let's just, uh, do you remember when uh, Jesus was talking about in the, in the parable of the seed of the sower? And um, he said that the cares of the world is actually a type of, of ground. When the word goes into it, it chokes it, it chokes it. And so, but, and to me, that's just an invite almost if you just match up verses in the Bible. Because um, God actually, in a sense, commands you. He, he actually says you're prideful if you don't do this if you don't cast your cares on him um, because he cares for you. And, you know, I, I really want to, being that it's the holiday season and uh, a lot of people, instead of going to family celebrations, they're walking into family situations, right? And so I just, uh, I, I want to, let's just cast our cares. There's financial needs. I know in my heart in here, I think there's, there's cares on, on children, grown and maybe adult children, teen children, situations there, relationship cares. Um, you know, it's interesting, all these, these cares, usually, um, usually they're people motivated, right? They're people motivated, and, and we'll get into this in the sermon, but when you do this prayer, um, you can use your imagination for this prayer, and, and literally you do that in a way. You, you, you cast your cares on him, you, you throw them on him, and Next week, we even talk about, uh, I believe, Psalm 37, where he says, roll them, roll them up on me, roll the, roll the cares on me. And so let's just open with that. Father, we just come before you during this holiday season, and um, sometimes it's a time of heightened stress, and um, we just cast it on you, Lord. We cast uh, just strife and division, competition, jealousy, Fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, anxiety, mental anguish, stress, Lord, uh, relationships that have gone bad, uh, relationships uh, with children, adult children, uh, teenage children, um, just relationships between uh, maybe families that have been broken, uh, families that have been divided, uh, financial, financial needs, Lord, um, needs at our, our jobs, maybe Maybe I believe there's a um, there's a there's a kid in here in high school that that is 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 bullied and afraid to to go back to school and really before the Bible says for you, before you to you can even pray for that we have to get rid of those cares so we put these cares on you God right now we cast them on you we throw them on you we hook them to the hook and cast them out there on you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say that you take them because you care watchfully and affectionately for us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And so this is uh, number three in Rhythms of Grace, and really the main scripture for this whole series is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 in the message. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me. These are the words of Jesus. Get away from me. You'll recover your life. You know, we don't think about that. The Bible actually promises whatever the devil has stolen from you, you can have back times seven. But the, but the thing with that is that's just, 
That's, it's not just about hearing it and agreeing with it. You have to stand on that. You have to actually call those things back in. You, and we'll get into this. You have to actually send ministering spirits to go get those things. And that, that is very, uh, as you'll see, what goes on in the sermon today. Um, he says, you can recover your life if you'll get away with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Do you bring them to work? Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's a rhythm. Grace is a rhythm that you walk in. It's actually a walk that you walk out, and it's nothing that is forced. He says he won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That means if you have a heavy burden on you, that is not from God. I do not believe that's from God, just from the words he keeps. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If we could bring out that... Uh, this prop that we have in the back here, because in the Amplified or the King James, you're going to see that word yoke. He says, come to me, all you who labor or heavy laden, overburdened. I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your mind, will, and emotions. If you ever needed your minds, wills, and emotions refreshed. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. This is, what a, this is a yoke. This is what he's talking about. It's not the yolk of an egg, okay? It's, it's, he's not talking about the yolk of an egg. There's actually people that thought that, right? And he's talking, and that day, this is what they identified with, you know? Because a lot of them were farmers, and listen to what he says about his yoke. He says, I'm gentle, meek, uh, humble, lowly in heart. You will find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, blessed, quiet for your mind, wills. And emotions. He says his yoke is wholesome, useful, good. It's not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, but comfortable and gracious and pleasant. My burden is light. It's easy. My burden is easy. This, this is, uh, you know, the, the, the two animals, usually oxen here, you guys just get on the end of it there. They would, they would, I was I know my head won't, won't get stuck in here. They put their head through it, right? And usually the, the oxen, the one was younger, one was older, more experienced, right? And so what happens is, is, is the, the younger one would learn from the older one, you know, and the older one, let's just turn it this way. I mean, I can't go the opposite way. Yeah, the, the older one turning this way, it's going to be a problem, right? Or he drinks, you have to drink, right? And so they kind of learn the ropes, right? These animals with these yokes. And Jesus is just saying, my yoke is, is not like this. You know, God calls the, the old covenant, the 10 commandments and all those laws. He calls them a yoke of iron, literally calls them a yoke of iron in Deuteronomy. And it's interesting that Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not my yoke. It's easy. It's not sharp, it's not hard, it's not heavy, it's not uncomfortable, it's not overburdening, it's light. Yeah, it's heavy. It is heavy. It's heavy. And so thank you so much, you guys. I appreciate it. Um, and that was, we did that on the Saturday night on, on December 4th just to open it, but from there, we've been in Ecclesiastes 9, 11, and 12. Pay attention to that. Ecclesiastes, those words, 9, 11. I returned, this is Solomon, and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, 
nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. 9-11, interesting. This is what's coming after, right after Ecclesiastes 9-11. 9-12, for man also knoweth not his time as the fishes that are taken in an evil net. 9-11, as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. You know, grace is a rhythm where you follow either peace or lack of peace. You can get yourself in that rhythm for days or even weeks at a time, or you can be in a rhythm where you're not in a rhythm, right, for days and weeks at a time, and it can spiral where it's almost like you just attract things not happening well for you. You guys, if we've ever heard of the Martha and Mary story, you preached so many times we've heard it. You know, Martha's running around trying to serve everyone in a, in a get-together at their home. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha wants Mary corrected and complains about her to Jesus because Martha's doing all the serving. Jesus tells Martha, paraphrasing, Martha, you have too many cares. You're worried about too many things. Mary is doing the one needful thing. So he says, well, what was she doing? At his feet, hearing his word. Hearing his word. That's what he's referring to, the one needful thing. Prayer is needful. Praise and worship is needful. Praying in tongues is needful. Uh, uh, you know, evangelism is needful. But you know what? All that follows the one needful thing. There's one thing. You have that one thing. And I don't care if you listen to it, if you read it, if you speak it, however you do it, you know? And, and, and I'm not talking even about an hour a day, but in Ecclesiastes 9 11, it says, time and chance happeneth to them all. The word happeneth in the Hebrew language is Korah. And can I just tell you what that word means? Let's just translate it. The right translation, right place, right time. Being in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time happens to us all. And a lot of times, God's trying to get us out of the wrong place at the wrong time, and we don't even know it. Or get us into the right place at the right time, and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. And so we're talking about Jesus getting you into the right place at the right time, Genesis 24 one through eight, we spent some time in the story today. Uh, Abraham was old, well-stricken in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham, and Abraham said to his eldest service of his house, the eldest servant, and this guy, you know, he controlled everything. He controlled his finances. He gave this guy everything. This guy just did it all for him, right? Um, it said, ruled over all Abraham had. He says, put, I pray, put your hand under my thigh, and make, and I will make thee swear by the Lord. So, you know, I mean, if we did this today, you would have to go to HR for a meeting, right? You know, and make an employee swear. But the God of heaven, and that the God of earth, thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. And I'm going to paraphrase this. 
Abraham tells his guy that he trusts, go find my, go find my son a wife. And um, the servant says in verse 5, paraphrasing, what if she won't come back with me? You know, so it's like, imagine, hey, uh, you want to marry my son? His father's really rich. You know, he's, he's trying to make a point. You know, how successful would that be? Right? And Abraham, and, and, the, and the servant was like, well, can I bring him with me at least? Abraham says in verse 6, no, you can't bring him with. And then, then Abraham says in verse 7, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred. Notice how he says he took me. You know, he, he didn't say I left because I wanted to go. And he took me from my family, but he made me a promise, he says. He says, unto my seed, I will give this land. He shall send his angel before you, Eleazar, that's the servant's name. He'll send that angel before you, and you'll wind up with that wife. Verse 8, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you're off the hook, is what he says. Verse 10, he's got the sermon, the, 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 the servant takes 10 camels, um, departs all the goods. He arose, went to Mesopotamia a city in Mesopotamia. Verse 11, he made his camels to kneel down um, without the city by a well of the water at the time of the evening where the, the young women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord of my master Abraham, I pray thee send me good speed this day. Okay? And show kindness unto my master. Do you know what that word, you know, that's the same word as Ecclesiastes 9-11, right place, right time. He literally prayed. He said, oh, Lord of my master, Abraham, I pray thee, put me in the right place at the right time today. At the right time today. So this is scriptural, scriptural prayer. And so, you know, just in that, it'd be like Matt Cameron saying, you know, I want you to go find my grandson a wife down in Indiana, you know? I mean, this guy, imagine the pressure. What if he brings, just, just brings back, he could, you know what I mean? He's got to hear from God. He's got to know. He can't just meet a pretty woman, right? And so he, he's, it's got to be the right woman, and so, so he prayed for God to put him in the right place at the right time. I'm trying to get the point across. I think about, you know, he, he, he had to have felt pressure. But notice the thing Abraham said when he summoned him. He summoned him. And, and then he says, Eliezer says, well, what if she doesn't come back with me? Listen to what he says. He repeats the promise that God gave him. He said, he swore to me, Genesis 24, 7, unto thy seed I will give this land. And then he sends an angel out, and I'm going to send an angel before you, all right? We're talking about walking in the rhythms of grace here. Notice, you've got in this scripture, Abraham repeating the promise God gave him. And he, I, he swore to me, he said, God swore this to me, that he's going to do this for my seed. We're talking about being in the yoke with Jesus. We're really talking about walking in the will of God. That had to be the will of God. I mean, and we, we, we've talked about, 
I'm only able to review, but, but a lot of that is, is following the peace or lack of peace inside you, okay? And we explain that more in the last two sermons. Or if your desires are scriptural and you're doing that one thing that Jesus told Martha to do, right? He will put his desires in you. And you can follow your own desires if you have that relationship with him, though. Okay? And as long as they are scriptural, but um, Isaiah 43, 6, God says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. You look at the, uh, the 26, 26 translation Bible, right? The ASV says, set forth thy cause. It doesn't say make me remember. It says set forth the cause, okay? The ASV says, or the RHM says, put me in mind and recount thou. Recount it. The AAT says, recall the matter to me. Recall it. See, he's trying to get you to say it. He says, recount it. He says, speak up. One translation said, speak up in the NAB. So this is exactly what Abraham was doing in Genesis 24, 7, when he said, he repeated the promise and said, he swore to me that he will give my seed this land. Well, he's got to have seed, right? His, his son's got to have a wife, right? And so he said, he shall send his angel before you to his servant. And Eliezer even repeats this in in 2439, he repeats this conversation. He says, excuse me, uh, Genesis 24, 40. He said, the Lord before whom I walk, this is Eliezer talking about what Abraham said, will send his angel with thee and prosper your way. Do you send any angels anywhere and prosper your way today? Seriously. It says in the, in the, in the New Testament, they're there for you. That doesn't mean you pray to the angels, okay? But God will use them to do, to protect, to heal, to, to, to deliver. And so they're his army. He uses them. And the, the Bible says, I, you know, I've put them in here all week. There's deliverance angels. There's healing angels. There's angels that can make you receive the word better. There's angels, actually, you know, uh, a lot of word of faith people say that there's no female angels, and I personally don't believe that. I have a right to my opinion. But if you read the Bible, uh, Grant Paul says, grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So you could call wisdom a spirit. I really believe uh, uh, wisdom is a spirit because the Bible says it's a spirit. It's a living spirit. Just like David said, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Well, the Hebrew, original Hebrew text said he believed those were angels. Goodness and mercy were angels. Had an angel of goodness and an angel of mercy following him all his life, right? Well, uh, the, uh, the Bible in the Old Testament calls wisdom a she over and over and over. So why would it call her a she and then call her a spirit? In the New Testament, call it spirit of wisdom and revelation. Grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's a she. Otherwise, it'd be saying he. 
I don't, I don't know why we're going into this. This is just kind of stuff I think about all day. Right? And so he sends this angel out, right? And, and the, listen, Eliezer's telling the brides, this is him telling the bride's family, the Lord before whom I walk, this is what Abraham said to me, guys. He's gonna, he sent his angel out. That's how I found her. And, and he said, and the angel, he said the angel would prosper my way. And so we're talking about walking in the rhythms of grace, but while we're talking about that, I have to say, uh, my mom and I were actually talking last Sunday and, and, and how both of us have literally, <laughs> on and off, have spent hours and hours and hours just, just with one person, right, in the past. And, and you know, dealing with oppression, depression, fear, they're, they're belie- or they're believing for healing. And I always ask, you know, I, 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 I know no one ever, I, I really don't, we have like a, a pastors that counsel people now, but after a while I just said, what scripture are you standing on? If you're so depressed and oppressed, oh, you're not? And I would never meet with them again. What's the point? I can't do anything for them. Not even standing on a scripture. You're not putting him in remembrance. Come, come, one translation, God said, come declare thou to me. Come, let's plead together. That means plead it. Let, let's talk. Let's talk about it and do, make some declarations to me. Right? But, but like, it, sometimes, you know, I, I sit out there on that brown couch and, and I get involved, you know, and people just dealing with things for for weeks and months and years and, and you talk to them and, and you talk to them and you remember them from the month before but you know what? You come back the next month they haven't done one thing. You have to do something. You have to do something. And, I'm, and, and it's, not, it's not judgmental. It's, it's just you, you feel like you're just talking like to a wall, you know, and it's always the same conversation. They don't use their authority, you know? They don't try to use their authority. They use it once. Uh, They're not standing on a scripture, but they somehow want you to relieve them of their depression through your own prayers. And through the laying on of hands through a, or even a prayer warrior taking up your cause, you can get temporary relief. Let's let's look at Luke 11, 24. When un... When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, this is Jesus. Do you, do you know what that uh, gone out means? To a company. So we're not talking about just people that are uh, possessed. You really don't meet a lot of possessed people. And I'll tell you what, when you do meet them, you'll know when you meet them. If you have Jesus in you, you'll know. Okay. And, and what it means a company, he's also talking about if you are a Christian and you do not know that you have demonic entities assigned to your life, then you're in danger of perishing from a lack of knowledge. God said his people perish from a lack of knowledge. That means from not knowing things. If you don't understand that probably every day there are things assigned to you that are more real than the chair you're sitting in, then you're walking in a, in a scary lack of knowledge. 
Because that means you're doing nothing about it. Nothing about it. You know, I'm not just, Jesus is not referring to people that, that are possessed. We all have things assigned to us from the devil. From the devil. Assigned to steal the word, keep you out of the word, keep you on the run, keep you down. You know, you ever seen somebody gets in an accident every six months, a serious accident, somehow? First, it's a car accident. They tow their car. They break their leg. Then, then uh, six months later, they fall down their own stairs, right? Uh, they're, they're out again. And it just seems like every six months to a year, there's a major accident. That's an accident demon. That's not just bad luck. That's a demon that's assigned to them. And I've, se- I've seen those people that do, they do nothing about it. And you know what? They die. They die. They just think it's bad luck. You know, let's read what he says. Uh, Luke 11, 24 through 26. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he's going to go through dry places seeking rest. Or the assigned one is made to run away. You can keep things off of your children. You can push things back on other people. Do you know that? You can push things back. You can keep things off of your children. All right? But in the end, you can send people, the right person, in the right place at the right time, to your wayward child that changes their life. But ultimately, it's on your adult wayward child to choose him. You can open the way so it's easier for him to choose, and you can get things to back off of people. That's why you do pray for people. You can push demonic entities that are assigned to them back, right? But look, this thing gets pushed back or whatever. He says, I'm going to return and check that back. Verse 25, he cometh and he finds it hasn't been replaced. It's swept clean, empty. There's nothing protecting the guy. And so he take, take, talk, goes and talks to seven other, seven other worse ones. And he's coming back with his friends. This is what Jesus is saying. So when something has been pushed back from you, and I believe you can do that, but if you don't do anything, if you don't replace it, the scripture is saying he's coming back the same guy, but he's bringing his cousins. Some of them are badder than him. You know, I try to use my authority against the parade that I know follows me around every day, sometimes five times a day. It's not, it's not even a five-minute prayer. Because I found once a day for me isn't enough. It doesn't take long. It's, it's using the name of Jesus. And commanding them to desist in their maneuvers. The Bible calls them, every time you see principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, those are demons. In the Bible, those are ranks of demons. Or it's also called powers, principalities, might, and dominion. Those are ranks of demons. So I speak to them just like that. Every, every principality, power, ruler of the darkness world, spiritual wickedness in high places assigned to me today, assigned to my health, and I just get led. Assigned to come at me in the grocery store. You know, assigned, assigned to, to uh, behind drama. You know, I just, I'm led. Is it going to be, what's it going to be, Lord? It's going to be health today. 
Is it be a phone call today? What's it going to be? You know, you command it to desist in their maneuvers in the name of Jesus Christ. So Paul tells us in Philippians that we have to practice getting carefree. See, if you've got cares on you and you're trying to connect with God, it's hard to hear him. It's really hard to hear him. It's hard to follow any peace or, or a lack of peace that's going to come from him to direct you if all you're on is all the things that are wrong, all the people trying to get you. I, I, I'm always talking about people trying to get you because people are trying to get me. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Sorry. But it's hard to walk in a rhythm of grace when you're dominated by cares. So that was quite the rabbit trail. But notice Genesis 24, 39, and 40, Abraham actually put an angel to work, right? And said the angel said would prosper him, would go before him. You can put angels, that means you can put angels to work for other people and angels to work for yourself. Because Abraham just did it. And you know what? They're not just for your protection, angels. Okay? And, and so, you know, to finish the prayer from Eleazar, because in Genesis 24, 12, he asked the Lord that the Lord would put him in the right place at the right time. Now, remember, six verses earlier, Abraham sent him out. And when he sent him out, he repeated the promise for starters. This is what God said. He's going to do this, and I'm sending an angel with you. So he sends the angel out. And I want you to note when we get to this prayer by, Eli, by the Eliezer, how specific the prayer is. Remember, specific, that word. He says, put me in the right place, the right time. They weren't under the law. Moses hadn't even been born. This is 400 years before the law. You can see Abraham prospering from his mistakes. They were not under the law, Okay. All those commandments had not been given. And so, this is his prayer. Listen to this. This is, the, this is Eliezer's prayer. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. Okay, you don't think God knows that? It's almost like he's having a conversation with, with a friend. And the daughters of men in the city come dry out the water. Well, you don't think God knows that, Eliezer? He's talking to God. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink. I will give thy camels drink also. So she's going to say, sure, you can have a drink. I'll drink. I'll, I'll, I'll water your camels too. Let that girl be the one that's supposed to marry Abraham's kid, right? So he's praying this very specific prayer, after he prayed, put me in the right place at the right time. And then verse 15, and it came to pass before he was done speaking. He, he prayed, put me in the right place at the right time. Then he prays, okay, this is what's going to happen. He almost sets it up for God. I'm going to do this, and then she's going to do that, and that way I'll know, because I got to know this. And the, the girl walks up, okay, 
It says in verse 16, very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. She went down to the well, filled her pitcher, came up. He ran to meet her. Let's see if she's it. If she says yes, she's it. He knew it. It was going to be clear. Can I have a drink? Sure, drink, my Lord. And then she hasted, let down her pitcher upon her hand, gave him a drink. And when she'd done giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels too. And she ran. It says, hasted means she ran and emptied her pitcher into the trough. Like, so she really wanted to help this guy. So breaking it down, he prays in verse 12, oh, Lord, put me in the right place at the right time. And then he's like, here's where I'm standing, where all the young ladies uh, come do the water, right? Here's where I'm standing. So he's having this conversation, but it's, it's very specific to God, very specific. Let it come to pass. In other words, make this happen. Let this happen. The girl who I say, let me have a drink of water out of your pitcher. He's talking to God here. She's going to say, drink, and I'll give your camels a drink. Let that be the one. And before he was done praying that prayer, she showed up. The, ver- the verse 16 says she was very fair. That, wor- that word means captivating. This girl was captivating. Okay? So we've got Abraham respecting God's promise, sending out an an- repeating God's promise, sending out an angel, Eliezer saying, put me in the right place at the right time. You know, you can pray that every day. That's not a law prayer. That's, that, you know, sometimes you have to distinguish things between the old covenant and the new. Oh, that's under the law. That's something they did under the law. Oh, they're talking to you in the new covenant about that. No, no, no. You can pray this. Put me in the right place at the right time. Every day. It's a very specific prayer. And so, why wouldn't God send out an angel for you? Why wouldn't he? You got more power than these guys have. They have, they have God in them. And, and he'll send his angels before you. Now, a lot of scholars I agree with here, when you see the word angel in the Old Testament, singular in the Old Testament, it refers to the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Singular. Okay, in the Old Testament, when you see the angel of the Lord, for sure, that is Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord. That is Jesus Christ. All right? References to angels in plural, that's the cherubims and all those other guys and girls. Okay? Don't write in on that. I'm not even answering that. I'm not arguing about that. We will not be able to find that out for sure until we all get up there. And I'll say, told you, okay? And so I believe the servant, Eliezer, told Rebekah's family that what, what, what Abraham had said, the Lord whom I walk with will send an angel and it will prosper you. A lot of scholars agree. This was referring to Jesus Christ, this angel. Jesus goes before you and prospers your way. Look at this now. This is how it is. Remember, Put me in the right place at the right time is the same as Ecclesiastes 9.11. Same word, right? It's happeneth. Can we put that scripture up? Is that time and chance? Happeneth to them all. Same word, okay? Now, look at the phrase time and chance, okay? Look at the word right after happeneth. What is it? To? Happeneth to them? To? See that word? 
means so much, okay? Those two Hebrew letters are Aleph and Tav. They're placed next to each other. And it's a wrong translation. Aleph and Tav don't mean two, okay? All right, those are, what they are is they are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet, okay? First and last, hint, hint. First and last of the Greek are Alpha and Omega. Aleph and Tav are the first and last. They're like A and Z. Alpha and Omega is like the A and Z of the English alphabet, but it's Greek. Aleph, Tav, those two letters are like the A and Z of the Hebrew alphabet. Are you following me? Doesn't mean two. Revelation 12, 22, 13. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Are you getting what I'm getting at here? That's Jesus talking. So the Aleph and Tav, just like the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Hint, hint. The Alpha and Omega, he is the Aleph and Tav. The first and the last. What all this means is Jesus has the first and last words in all your situations in regards for you being in the right place at the right time. Your problem doesn't have the final say. The crisis doesn't have the final say. The the doctor doesn't have the final say. Jesus, the Aleph Tav, i.e. Alpha and Omega, i.e. beginning and end, has the last say. He has literally placed his signature in Ecclesiastes 9-11. To assure you of that, Aleph Tav, we're talking about walking in the unforced rhythms of grace. It's been hard to do this with the Sunday morning crowd because I'm trying to catch you up, right, on what I've been preaching and to take you in the third part of the series. But what I'm telling you is uh, you can choose to either live life watching out for yourself, trying to position yourself, make, uh, I make a... Uh, make sure you're going to do everything you can do to get the promotion. Make sure no one takes advantage of you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm into that. When I'm not in a rhythm, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting people to try to take advantage of me. Wanting it. If I'm not in a rhythm. Okay? And that just leads to a life full of stress. Running down your body. Speeding to the grave. Or you can live hearing God's voice in your everyday, hearing him direct your inner desires, following his promptings of peace in your heart, paying attention to the peace or lack of peace that he likes to guide you by. We're talking about resting in him, having your heart full of him so that he can put you in the right place at the right time. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Can we just leave it up there on the screens? Are you? Are you tired? I was exhausted because of how terrible I ate yesterday. Did you ever just wear you out when you just stuff yourself full of really good but bad food? <laughs> you know what? I just, I enjoy those times. I just don't care. I'm just going to enjoy it. If I'm going to do it, then I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to do it a lot. Okay. And so are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out? He says, come to me. Do you go to him? Do you even think of him? Do you try to come to him? He says, get away with me. That means you have to make an effort with him. And if you're making no effort, then start with five minutes a day. You know, there's people that hear this kind of message and say, I don't, talk, I don't do hardly anything. Just do a little bit if you don't do anything. If you do five minutes a day, seven days a week, that's 35 more minutes than you were doing. Right? What's 12 minutes a day turn out to? Six hours a year? 
that's six more hours than you were doing. Then you would have done it all. You know, then the next week, you don't go to 20, you go to seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes. You get up to 12 minutes, next thing you know, you're up to an hour and 15 minutes. Just come to him a little bit. He'll meet you where you are. He met the, just like the song, he met the prodigal son where he was. He met him where he was. He didn't even let that kid repent. He didn't even let that kid get through his confession. He interrupted him and gave him back his authority immediately in the ring. Gave him back his righteousness with the coat. That's, that's the coat. His standing immediately. Gave him back shoes back in those days. The, the servants, only members of the household wore shoes. Everyone else was shoeless. He, he gave everything back to him just for coming back. Okay, so if you're not doing anything, who cares? Start with five minutes tomorrow, right? And so he says, if you're, if you're making no effort at all, then just start low. He says, you'll recover your life, but you have to claim your recovery. He says, walk with me, work with me. Do you bring him to work? Do you even ask him what to do on a regular basis? If you, if you wind up in, in Cub Foods, and, and, and some lady in the grocery store throws a, a camp, can of Campbell's soup at you, right? Then you probably should have listened to him because he's probably t- try, trying to keep you from going to that store. Does so that happen to anyone? Anybody ever throw Campbell's soup? Okay. Like I said, I got a parade. Okay. <laughs> he says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm is a grace. In other words, grace is a rhythm that's never forced. I'm not talking about walking in his presence, floating, you know, one of those people. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about it's, it's a looking in. You know that, that scripture, incline thine ear, incline. It's just a looking in, a checking. And there'll be a pull, it'll be a pull, yes or no pull, just a check. And I have to, it can, half of it can be done with your imagination, you know, he's talking, about, he's talking about keep company with me. All that is the cross. Let me put the sculpture up. I mean, I bet this is in my head, but I've turned it. I thought about it so much that I know what it looked like real. I know he reveals to me, if we could put the sculpture up, what it looks like real. Imagine seeing that real. Because that's where it all comes from. Being in the right place at the right time. Being able to give your soul a rest. It comes from there. We have nothing if it's not from that. And if it doesn't come from that, it either starts in Gethsemane when he's sweating blood. You can picture that. So you don't have to be be stressed. Or the thorns getting beaten into his head. So you don't have to have a lack of peace. It's all a picture of something. He was raised from the dead. The Bible says God looks at you like you were there. Like you paid the price. Like you died with them, like you were resurrected, like you were raised from the dead with them. And so you can live there just in your imagination. Whether if it's Gethsemane, the thorns, uh, they, they, they blindfolded him. And, and, and you, know, you know, he was actually shamed, so you don't have to be shamed. That's actually a promise. You don't have to be shamed anymore. 
We're not talking about closing yourself in a closet for three hours and keeping company. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as you walk through your day. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This is talking about prayer. Okay? Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. When? When you pray. And notice notice what it says right here. Every circumstance and everything by prayer and petition. You know what that means? Definite. Define your requests. You're that deep, just like Eleazar. Definite requests, right? In everything, bad, good. Which way do I want to take home today? Of the three different ways? Could save your life. And, and what this does is it cultivates a relationship. And it makes you more familiar with his voice. Continue to make your wants known to God, into verse 6, and God's peace shall be yours. It actually says at the end of that verse, it'll, it'll, put, it'll guard your heart, garrison. It'll, that means when someone throws a can of Campbell's soup at you in the aisle, it doesn't ruin your day. You laugh at him. Run away with your stroller, laughing. <laughs> you don't even think about kicking it back at him. What this is saying is that as we start to close, you know what? One commentator said, you are commanded to let all requests be made known to God. This is a command. People don't realize this is a command. Requests for material, physical, spiritual needs and wants. Everything that concerns our life along any line, we are commanded to request it. But you know what he's saying? When you're making those requests, don't have anxiety. Because it's hard to do that and then hear back, right, when you're worried about all the things that are going on, right? You know, one day, uh, I, I believe God told me to go home a different direction. There's three different ways I can go home from church, and, and I really wasn't listening, but I was in a rhythm. I was in a rhythm. I was in a rhythm. It was just everything. You can get in the rhythm, and it's your first thought. If it's scriptural, it's your first thought. I just go with the first thought. And I'm just saying I was driving home, but I was in the wrong place at the wrong time because something hit my window, and my window, driver's side window, exploded into hundreds of thousands of pieces all over me, all over my car, in my lap. I mean, just a foot from my face. And, you know, I was just like, I drove right back up to church because I just had to show someone this, right? And I'm driving home with no window, and I didn't even care. I wasn't even shook because I had that. I, do you get what I mean? If anything, it helped me. I was like, I can't believe I wasn't touched. That's amazing. I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. It didn't touch me. You know, if anything, it strengthened me. And I, I was totally unaffected, you know, We're talking about walking in the unforced rhythms of grace, even when things happen, bad happen, because you're at the wrong place or at the wrong time. I, I've no, noticed lately, I, um, you know, just I, I just think about him. Do you know Joseph, or not Joseph, uh, Jacob, really quick, Laban was going to rip him off. And I can't remember which lamb it was, but there were spotted lambs and there were white lambs. And Laban was going to rip them off and said, you can have all the the, uh, spotted lambs. Well, there were no spotted lambs. They were all white. 
And, he's, and, and if you if study it out, they weren't going to have any spotted lambs. He imagined. He looked at those lambs, those white lambs, and imagined them spotted. Imagined. Suddenly they had started having spotted babies. Spotted babies, spotted babies, spotted. Because he imagined it into being. So we're talking about walking in the unforced rhythms of grace. But, you know, I, I get this. God takes me to this because we're talking about prayer and we're talking about connection and we're talking about cares, you know, picking up in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says in the middle of it, it says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Okay? Then it says, if you're proud, it's going to be a problem. And if, if you're humble, he's going to give you grace. We're talking about walking in the unforced rhythms of grace. If you're humble, you're going to get grace. You're going to get power to do things, and you're going to get favor you don't deserve. Okay? And so that's one of the definitions of grace. So listen, you know what he says? He gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore humble yourselves, demote yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, and in due time he will exalt you, comma. He tells you how to humble yourself, casting all your cares, all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. What are you concerned about? What are you concerned about? For he careth watchfully and affectionately for you. He's watching. But here's the thing. You know what he's saying? He's saying God sets himself against the proud and gives grace to the humble. And then so he's basically saying, if you don't cast your cares, you're in pride. It's humility to cast your cares. You're giving it to him. You're taking it off you and giving it to him. Okay? And so... It, you know what? It, then it says the devil runs around like a roaring lion seeking who he may, he may devour. The very next verse. You know what that's saying? If you don't use this prayer of casting your cares, you're more of a target. He may devour you. He may devour you. Because you're just thinking about whatever you want to think about. No connection to God. You're not hearing his voice. There's no rhythm. Right? Let's just go cry to Jim on the couch and let him pray for me. I'm sorry. I'm not that cold, okay? All right? And so I'm just, no, I'll pray for you. But what I'm saying is, it's like, it's like you've, got to, you've got to start with him in this new year. Just a little bit a day. Lean, just look into him. Look into him. It doesn't all have to be talk out loud. A lot of it can be imagery. And so, and we're going to talk more about this next week. I just, I'm, I'm just really, I didn't even get through. We'll pick all this up. We'll have the, at least I'll have the start of the sermon for next week. But really what I want to do is, is, is just start this. And we'll talk more about it next week in Psalm 37. It takes your cares and it almost talks about rolling them up like a rug. Roll them on him. Roll them, just quickly, casting them. You know, my mom, I was talking to my mom about this verse, and she says, I remember when you guys were little, and we used to go to Pensacola, Florida, and there was a bay that we would stay on and had a really long dock. And me and my cousins and my brother would go out. We had these little, you know, those short little push-button fishing poles. 
and we put to load up the lines with weights, and we had shrimp as bait, right? Not even live shrimp, frozen shrimp. And we'd stand out on this dock, and every time you casted it, you would you get something. And the thing about the ocean is, there's no telling what's coming in. All kinds of stuff, right? And I, my mom reminded me about this scripture about casting your cares. She said, your brother, you know, because we'd have contests. We'd load the lines down with weights. And you didn't even need a, a, a bobber. You just reel it in slow and something may hit it. And my brother would actually throw it. When he would throw it, he would go, right? His feet would leave the ground. He would throw it so hard, right? So far. And so that's what I, I've been using it for years. I actually, um, in 2010, brought a fishing pole in here and did it right in the service. And so, look, I want you to cast it. I want you to, maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a, a financial need. Maybe, it, maybe it's a child. You got to quit worrying about the wayward child. It's hard to do, but it makes your prayers more effective, i.e. Philippians 4, 6. Right? Pray about everything, but first get rid of your anxiety, is what it says. Okay? And so we're going to cast it. We're going to end the service today. We're going to cast it. We're going to cast what, what it is. What is it? Financial? You know, you can actually get to the point in First Peter 4, uh, excuse me, uh, Philippians 4.11. Do you know Paul says you have to practice doing this stuff? So people walk out of here, oh, I casted my cares and it didn't work. No, sometimes it's like you get rid of two, but there's still one. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Paul says practice these things. You got nothing to lose. He says, not that I speak in respect of one. In other words, everybody wants something. You know, we all want things. For I have learned that whatsoever state that I am, I'm content, no matter what's going on, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad they want to hurt me, no matter how divisive it is, no matter how oppressive it is, no matter how bad the physical pain is, whatsoever state that I am. That's what he's saying. I've learned. I'm good. I'm good. Because he had a garrison. And so can we just, in your imagery... I heard Patsy Caminetti one time her child had been bullied in school and this was in Singapore and the child gets in the car and, and, and we're sitting in there and she's like, oh, Annalisa, this is a lady that like mentored us for a couple years. Well, this is what you do. You, you take that person that was picking on you. Now you put your hands out. Put your hands out, Annalisa. Now, now, Put that person in. I'm going to put the pencil in your hand, and that's going to be the person. And just lift them up to God. Lift them up to God, Annalise. The girl does, you know, like a child, the faith of a child. She take that pencil off. Okay, child's fine. I'm just saying, give them to him. Hand them to him. Shoot them out of a cannon. I don't care. Right? Get rid of them. Give them to him cast them. So, Father, we come to you right now during this holiday season. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the concern, uh, division,
fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, slander, gossip, fault-finding, division, competition, jealousy between family members, lost children, wayward children, uh, broken relationships with children, broken relationships with family members, financial need, Lord, needs at work, the job, you, you have to give the job, just give the job to him, or the lack of a job to him, give it to him, we give it to you now, we hook it, we put it on that hook, and we hit that little push button, and we sling that thing as far as we can sling it, out into what you call the sea of forgetfulness. And you can keep it, Lord. We cut that line. You can keep that fish. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ, we cast our cares on you. I cast them. See it again. See them go again. Cast them again. Cast them again. Cast, cast them. You careth for us. You take them. You said you would take them. And as we close today, Lord, I pray you would bless everyone in this service, everyone online. You bless their families. You bless their children. We're supposed to be walking in the blessings of Abraham. <laughs> and Gideon said to an angel, when an angel showed up to him out of nowhere, he said, where are all the miracles that our fathers talked about? Yeah, well, Lord, I can say it. Gideon said it. Where are all the miracles? Make miracles for living word. Make miracles for this congregation so they can make miracles for others. Make miracles for them that are watching online. We send the ministering spirits out before them to prosper their way in the name of Jesus Christ. You surround this congregation and everyone watching online with your favor as with a shield. As a shield. Because you said you would bless the righteous by surrounding us with your favor as with a shield. See that shield. Walk out of here with that shield. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.